0: Welcome to the Automation Unplugged Podcast, the podcast for technology professionals featuring leading industry personalities. I'm your host, Ron Callis. Today's show features Harshul Parikh. CEO and founder at Trescent Lifestyles. hashul founded Trescent Lifestyles in 2006 after he returned to India following a career stint in Silicon Valley. Back in India, he observed the growing demand for smart technology in the home and the shortage of qualified integration firms available while he was renovating his own home in Mumbai. Harshul understood that India needed world-class system integrators with the growing demand for smart home and home theaters throughout the country, and he decided to be part of the solution. Harshul is a founding member of Cedia India and has been instrumental in bringing Cedia into the country. Since its founding, Trescent Lifestyles has grown to a team size of 35 employees and completed residential projects well over 100,000 square feet with budgets of 2.5 million USD plus. We live streamed this interview on our one Firefly Facebook page on Wednesday October 21st, 2020 at 930 a.m. Eastern time. In this conversation we discussed Harshul's role in bringing a Cedia chapter to India, how the custom integration space has been impacted due to COVID, Harshul's thoughts on the potential boom that will come from the increased interest in smart home automation, and an exciting AI software Harshul and his team are developing to make projects more seamless for integrators and the design build community. Don't forget to check out the after show I recorded with Harshul where he talks about how he scores high ticket projects with clients from billionaires to Bollywood movie stars, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Let's jump into my interview with Harshul Harik. Harshul, how are you, sir? Hey, Ron. I'm doing excellent. Good morning. Good to see you. Yeah, it's not morning for you, though, right? What, what time is it there? Just about uh, 10 past 7 in the evening. Okay. Yeah, that's
1: a pretty, pretty
0: good time difference. Um, and tell our audience, where are you coming
1: to us from? So we're coming uh, from Mumbai, India. I'm in my office just towards the end of my workday and uh, happy to join you uh, today to talk about some excellent different things on Automation Unplugged. So, uh, Harshil, tell our
0: audience a little bit about your business just so we can understand kind of the the basics here. Who who and what is Trescent Lifestyles?
1: So, uh, Ron, we started our business in uh, 2006 when i moved uh, back to india from silicon valley i was living in mountain view uh, working for a startup uh, technology company and when i moved to india i was building my home uh, and i was so used to having you know my 5.1 home theater system that I, at that time, I bought from uh, from Best Buy in Mountain View. So it was, I remember it was a, a Klipsch surround sound system with, you know, my first paycheck. I think I went and bought out a flat screen Sony Vega uh, television and a surround sound system. And then back in the day, then we had, you know, I don't know if you remember, but Radio Shack sold these... Uh, x10 smart plugs which had these silver antennas and you could press a button and you would be able to switch on and off your lights and it was probably the coolest thing i had in my house and everybody who came to my house in california was like man this place everything's you know controlled while you're sitting on on your couch how do you do it and so when i moved back to india i I wanted some of those uh those gadgets in my house and uh i went out in the market and and tried to source a home theater and source a lighting control system this is in 2006 and uh, in that process i i, I really got uh, totally interested in the subject and i said well i i have to find you know something to do once i move back and uh, there looked like there was a big gap in the market there were very few people who were importing electronics, who understood lighting control systems, who had ever even heard of uh, a company called Lutron back then. And that's how uh, you know I sat in uh, the same office where I am today and uh, came up with the name Trescent. So there was a calendar on top of my monitor which said Crescent Chemicals. And I said, hey, if I put a T in front of it, let's Google it. There was nothing that showed up. No results. You know, I, I, I went to GoDaddy. I searched for the domain. No results. And I said, that's how Trescent Lifestyles was formed. Uh, did a few jobs for a few friends and uh, and family members. And I realized, well, this is something that I could end up doing as, uh, as a full-blown, you know, full-time uh, business. Man. And now we are... 13 years sitting in the same office and you and me are talking, it's it's quite surreal.
0: So you showed some really interesting marketing acumen way back when to know the uniqueness of the company name would be an attribute. It would be a benefit to you. How did you know that? Because I'm going to say not many integrators starting a business know that a unique name matters and that's demonstrated by Everyone listening or watching, if you look at your own company name, it probably has the word audio, video, automation, integration, and I could name about five or ten more words. And that name, those names, comprise ninety percent of the names in our, right. in, our in, in our global industry. How did you know to have a unique name was a good thing?
1: So I think the the roots of that probably came up from uh, the time I spent in Silicon Valley because. We were surrounded by startups, Uh, you know, simple story, but I walked by the Facebook office every day after I got off my car. There were exactly six people in that office with a tiny 10-inch name uh, tag on the window. But I was surrounded by all these great people from Stanford and MIT and and I think during my time there, I realized that the name is important. And uh, if somebody could come up with a, a company name called Google, uh, you know, I could come up with something that was unique uh, in a couple of days.
0: No, that's good. What when you were in Silicon Valley? What were you doing? Right? How long were you there?
1: So I was there for about six years, and I started off uh, as a programmer in. Uh, a company called Tell Me Networks that was developing a voice recognition engine. Uh, A lot of that engine is today part of uh, the Alexa technology, Google Home, and uh, lots of the other voice applications which are there. And uh, a funny part is that the the last title that I held uh, in that company before I moved to India, uh, I was called an integration architect. Wow! What the, the irony, <laughs> the irony there that you know we were working towards how we would integrate maybe Domino's backend into a voice interface or Wells Fargo into a voice interface. So you know my job was to to design the integration between uh, the client's uh, premise system and our on premise cloud based uh, telephony system. And here I am, uh, you know, today where the word integration and the word architect is both are very, very uh, important in our uh, day-to-day lives.
0: No, yeah, that couldn't be more, uh, more accurate. I, I'm curious, and and our our listeners are 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 listening or watching live here from around the world. Um, what was it like? In you know, I'm looking at your your bio. It looks like you started in '06. What was the world of integration? and And I want to say it from the the landscape as a business operator, you started this business. What resources were available to you? I mean, were all the normal brands that everyone watching and listening know today? were they easily available, or were you having to figure this out?
1: So I mean I yeah, we had to totally figure things out. I mean, the first time i I wrote to lutron, uh, they had a team of two full time People in India. And, you know, uh, I have nothing wrong to say about the integrator, but he came to me with a graphic eye, which I purchased for, uh, I mean, it would be probably close to about $5,000 at that time, even though the product uh, retail price was about $1,000 because the duties were fairly high. So he was sitting in my house opening the manual and figuring out, you know, what dip switch is. Uh, He had to press to get this thing up and running. So Lutron today, 13 years from from where I started, now has about 300 employees in India. So, you know, this completely changed. Uh, I remember going uh, into the Definitive Technologies distributor's office and very small office, you know, in uh, the suburbs of uh, Mumbai. And we were talking, you know, heart to heart about all of this technology. And he was like, well, you seem to know so much about audio. You know, you're one of those buyers that that seems to have read up a lot about the product before he, you know, walks into the office. And uh, that's really what uh, the days back then were. It was uh, automation was really not known. Uh, Home theaters and audio were still very popular. There were a handful of specialists. Uh, that were in the industry, that were that were doing projects in audio and video, and I think uh, people were very afraid to even uh, touch automation. The first job that I landed, which was a significantly large project, and uh, with a very prominent interior designer by the name of, you know, Talati and Pantaki in Mumbai, and uh, the fact that I was willing to do audio and automation, they just said. Well, you're the right guy for this job because the customer really wants automation and he needs audio. But we haven't found a single company in Mumbai that's been willing to do both. And you seem to be, you know, savvy in both of these topics. And the customers happy, you know, talking to one person. And uh, the business model, you know, just made sense. And a lot of uh, the first few jobs we got because we wrote on our business card that we do. You know, lighting control and automation, as well as audio, and that was a winning edge in 2006, all the way up to 2011. It's still one of the winning edges today. Uh, in a lot of uh, the jobs that we go and uh, present ourselves as a prospective integrator, I think the word integrator didn't exist in 2006, 2007.
0: Now that that makes sense, and I'm going to give a quick shout out uh, to a couple of folks. We have uh, Sanjay. Uh, he says, you have to tell me what that means.
1: Hari Om. So he says Hari Om, which was like Namaste uh, in India. Thanks, Sanjay. Thanks for uh, your best wishes. I'm sure uh, Vishal Mevani, a dear friend of mine who's Sanjay's brother, is you know listening to this podcast from somewhere around the, the universe at this point.
0: Absolutely. And we have Vivek. He says Namaste, Harshul. Hi, Vivek. How do I say? I, I I butchered your last name when I was introducing you. Can you help me out? You got it absolutely right. Parikh is Parikh. is the
1: right way uh, to say it. Uh, so you got it right.
0: When I always I always say Harshal and Monica, my wife and yeah. I both both know you guys and 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 love to see you guys whenever we travel around the world to industry shows. And uh, I felt actually embarrassed that I didn't get that clarification before I went live. But you uh, did a good job. Such is life. Um, what does the product mix look like for you today? Like, if you're like, what's your, if you don't mind sharing, what does your line card look like? What type of products um, do you sell?
1: So, in terms of uh, brands, or in terms of maybe category,
0: Uh, categories and brands. And by the way, I I just mentioned I invoked Monica's name, so uh, she uh, she commented. So I have to put that on the screen. Hey, I'm right here. I know you're right here,
1: Monica. Awesome. (laughs) So the product mix uh, Ron is of course, you've got, you know, home automation, which is lighting control. You've got motorization and drapes, automated drapes, skylights. Uh, we've got security systems, which include access control, biometric fingerprint, uh, door sensors. And then you've got audio video, which covers everything from background pipe or multi-zone music to Uh, You know, 2.1, 5.1 systems, dedicated home theaters, and very recently, uh, networking, which has started becoming, you know, so very much important, has become part of our lineup. Uh, We've been distributors for Steinway, Lingdorf, and Lingdorf Audio for nine years. Uh, That's been a fantastic partner for us uh, in India. We represent Control 4 and Lutron from uh, the smart home and integration perspective. And then of course, uh, you know, Definitive Technologies, Triad, Marantz, Denon, uh, your everyday audio video brands uh, are part of the lineup as well. Got it, thank you for sharing. When you
0: arrived uh, back home in India and you were running your integration business, uh, the concept of that the the International Trade Organization, uh, did not exist in India. It was not operational in India. And you changed that. Can you tell our audience the story of, of how that change came about?
1: Sure, absolutely. You know, when I uh, moved here from the U.S. and having spent a lot of my time in the United States, I... Witnessed that people, when they were building their homes, everything was very methodical. And I kept hearing stories from friends who were building their homes or family members about all of these various approvals that were required at different stages, uh, without which the house could not progress to the next stage, right? So you couldn't close your ceilings until you had an inspection from the government approved inspector who would come and check things. So when I came to India, I said, there must be some, some, you know, organization that sets these standards that are used in the United States. And uh, while talking to people, I did hear the name CDIA because there were one or two people in India who had visited the Cedia show uh, before 2006. But I didn't really know at that point, you know, how big the organization was or what they really covered under their mandate. During one of my visits back to the U.S., I was at Gramani Systems' uh, office, which was at that point MSR Acoustics. And I was sitting with uh, Tony Gramani in his office and we were talking about India and how I was so impressed by looking at all of the things in his office, how methodical they were in designing home cinemas and acoustics. And, you know, he educated me more about Cdia and he went, you know, five steps uh, deeper into the topic saying, Harsha, I'd love to, you know, have you understand uh, more about Cdia And at that point, uh, he introduced me to, to Wendy, who uh, was heading Cedia UK and said, you probably want to talk to her about the fact that India is a growing market and you have, you know, a lot of friends who are uh, running integration businesses, audio-video businesses. And all of you guys could benefit from having, you know, CDR be localized within India. So I remember right after that meeting, I sort of wrote an email while I was in the car uh, from outside Tony's office uh, off to Wendy. And the next day I had a prompt reply from her saying, wow, you know, it's great to hear that you want to open a CDR chapter in India, and how many guys do you have? I said, we're probably three or four or five people. And she said, well, we can always, you know, start small. The minimum quantity should be maybe 20, 25 members. So Monica and me hosted this CDA party at our office. And we had about 15 people come uh, to that party where we just, you know, educated everybody about CDA. We cut a CDA India cake and we sent the pictures back to Wendy saying, listen, we've got 15, 20 people. Let's let's get this thing going. And uh, Wendy said, well, you guys are really enthusiastic. I'm going to talk to my team internally and figure out how we can support you. And uh, Ron, today we've got about 100 members in India who are Cedia members. We have a full-time dedicated uh, resource who's employed directly under Cedia UK. His name is Rupesh. And he manages uh, the cdia India chapter. Uh, so it's been fantastic. And I think all of us have been exposed to some fantastic standards on how we can improve the projects that we are engineering, whether they be small or large. Uh, and that's honestly what's allowed us to give us the confidence to do a 5,000 square feet house or currently, you know, Execute a house which is 150,000 square feet.
0: All right. So you 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 went there. So we're gonna go there now. Uh, you've done some prod, and I know this because back when you know we were doing engineering, we we worked together. This yeah. M- many many moons ago. Uh, since then, your projects have only gotten larger and more intricate. And you uh, you are working on some projects that are probably maybe the biggest projects in the world, residentially. Certainly in the top 10 in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Can, t- tell us about the, the, these projects or the, this project.
1: So, you know, we, the last three years, uh, we have been designing and executing one of the largest, if not the largest residence in uh, East Eastern part of India. So, just how you have the west coast and the east coast. So, on the east coast, this would be, uh, I think, the currently the largest residence that's being built. Uh, it's ten stories tall. Uh, so, it's it's a multi-family uh, residence. Even though the beauty of the residence is that there is an internal staircase within the residence that actually has no doors and the resident on the 10th floor, which is a family member, can walk down to the resident on the first floor who's also another family member. And this is where the tradition of India where if you're going to your brother's house, you don't really need to ring the doorbell to enter his house. And they have carried that tradition into this modern home in this very unique way, uh, just from an emotional and a bonding perspective that the doors within the family members or the floors are always open to each other. So otherwise, this is a 10-story house where each uh, floor is about 15,000 square feet. Uh, The largest floor has about seven bedrooms. We have... 45 television zones across the home. We have 450 motorized blinds, which are going into the residence. What was that? 450.
0: I'm assuming, uh, what what technology did you use there?
1: So we, after doing, uh, you know, a lot of due diligence, we have uh, chosen... Uh, the Lutron system for the motors. Uh, All of the 450 motors are being produced, custom built for us in the Lutron factory in the United States. And in fact, uh, all of the material is now in India. We have begun our installation process. When I would be able to share, you know, the engineering behind the installation at a future... Uh, maybe a CDA opportunity or, or some other opportunity, uh, we have really incorporated uh, the best practices that are possible or which have been, you know, I've been exposed to in the last 13 years uh, within this home. So we have notifications that will come to our office when something uh, is not working. We have smart electric meter, which are monitoring, how much power is being consumed in the house. Uh, this is definitely a next generation home. It is one of India's first LEED Platinum Energy Certified home. Wow. And there were various parameters that we had to adhere to to make uh, the LEED certification happen. It's a very exciting project, one which has taken us nearly thousand days in design and now Within the next six months, uh, we plan to hand over that project to the homeowners. We see them moving into the house somewhere between August and September in 2021. What
0: did you learn? And I'm assuming it's a long list. I can only imagine. What have you learned taking on such a, a large project?
1: I think the single most important skill is to be extremely detail oriented and be transparent because when you have a customer that is so large, uh, you have to, as their consultant and as their integrator present rightfully all the correct technical solutions in front of them, be able to explain to them the differences for every maybe five or $10,000 Uh, which get incremented in the budget in terms of how is this really going to benefit me? Uh, And when you go through those steps very meticulously on paper, you are able to design the home without necessarily choosing the hardware uh, on day one. I think the hardware was probably chosen somewhere close to after the 500 or 600 day. So, close to two years into the project. uh, We were pre-wiring so that we could have Crestron in there. We could have Control4 in there. We could have Lutron in there. We could have KNX in there. And a lot of that is to do with the fact that the technology uh, evolves so quickly that by the time you come closer to when the customer's gonna move in, uh, you need to have the flexibility to be able to give him the best solution then. So, you know, one year ago we had AirPlay, we never had AirPlay 2. Now you suddenly have AirPlay 2 and your entire multi-zone uh, design uh, gets modified, you know, overnight. So we put in all of those provisions from day one and uh, we, we took the decisions in a very transparent and confident way uh, because we had delivered a previous house for a very close relative of this owner which was about 60000 square feet in the same city and after he saw the way we executed that house and the testimonial we had received from that family uh he had built that trust with us from day one and he you know gave us that trust to let us present the options without looking at the commercial angle you know overriding uh the decision so we tried to put in the right technology first and then work backwards with the manufacturer to negotiate a fair price since the volume was so high on every single skew that's going into that house. Do
0: you see the rate of demand for technology in India increasing? Is, I mean, is it flat? Absolutely. Is it increasing? And
1: what does it look like? Absolutely. I mean, I I would be happy to share that I think over the last 10 years, uh, our business has grown 30 to 35% year on year with some years having a surge of 100% growth in revenue and uh, the smart home industry in india which of course includes you know audio and all these various uh, verticals it's now front and center i almost feel that in 2020 it's very similar to when I bought maybe the X10, you know, emitter from Radio Shack in California. Uh, we're at that pivot point in the industry in India today, where Wi-Fi smart plugs, smart appliances are being bought off the shelf. And people do want to be able to control their entire home from their smartphone, you know, the smartphone, industry has so widely penetrated uh, that all the various population are on a smartphone today. So, you know, having a house which where you can change the color of the light or you can switch on your favorite uh, channel or play your favorite radio station in the morning without getting up from the bed uh, is front and center. And I think that's going to be an explosion in the next decade to come.
0: Here in the U.S., I'm going to switch topics a little bit here in the U.S. So I'm going to say uh, I'll say North America, my uh, limited um, knowledge and exposure is to what I see happening in the market here and what I see happening. And I'll, I'll tie it to covid is the, the consumer, the homeowner isn't traveling right now, isn't planning to travel right now. And so what they're doing is they're investing in their homes. And so we're seeing an, a, 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 a really a, a boom for the residential technology integrator. Uh, many of them, maybe all of them, are busier right now than they, uh, than they actually can handle. So there's actually an abundance of demand that they're not able to convert into work because there's a manpower shortage. It's a bottleneck within their company. Uh, what are you seeing in India? What is the status of COVID there? And what is the status of the market?
1: So, you know, coincidentally, Ron, we're seeing a very similar situation in the luxury residential uh, sector, at least. Uh, The government has, you know, provided some incentives for customers who were maybe delaying uh, the purchase of their luxury home by reducing some of the various taxations uh, over the last six months, especially after COVID. Uh, which has seen a surge in the number of bookings in the residential sector and also in the number of possessions that uh, have gone through the roof. So we see uh, an increase in demand for uh, everything related to the home, whether it be uh, home appliances. You know, a friend of mine runs uh, a large retail home appliance store, and people are buying dishwashers. People are buying vacuum cleaners, new air conditioners, new televisions. All throughout COVID, they were seeing some of the best numbers uh, from a month over month sales. And from a high-end residential technology sector, uh, I've seen that the customer is now more confident when he comes in for his first discussion. He has made the house so much more of a priority as compared to a year ago, where he might be like, well, do I really need this? Maybe lighting control is not that important. The audio is more important. Now, every aspect within every room uh, is being very precisely, uh, you know, being thought about. And that's because the customer has ended up spending the last nine months, 24 hours a day in lockdown in the house. And they've realized what's the benefit of having a good Wi-Fi What's the benefit of having an automated drape where they could you know, just switch off, open or close uh, the blinds in the morning or in the night? And uh, having a peaceful entertainment experience with their close family members watching their favorite movies. So I see that uh, home has become front and center. In our business, we don't need to sell anymore. I think we just need to provide the right solution uh, after understanding the requirements, uh, the demand is, is you know, just organic and natural at this stage.
0: Do you have a, a feeling on uh, how long this state of busyness or high levels of demand will persist? I know that you're heavily involved with the other integrators throughout India. Is there a consensus as is this going to end, you know, in January? Is this going to begin? Is this going to continue for the next year or
1: two? You know, I think, uh, Ron, the, the construction industry around the world is fairly cyclical, right? Where, you know, typical high-end luxury home takes about 18 to 24 months to construct, sometimes up to 36 months. And uh, so every project that began 12 or 24 months ago is coming to an end and uh, people are speeding up uh, the existing projects because they want to move into their new home and they, they're they you know waiting to move into this awesome house that they had designed for the last two years. And similarly, with the new homes which are being bought, uh, they're freshly starting their new cycle of designing uh, their residence and telling you what their requirements are. So I think... Uh, I, Even though there's a boost in sales right now post-COVID, I think we're just making up for maybe the delayed purchases over the last six months because people were at home and offices were shut. But I think the year-on-year growth is going to continue and that's going to be steady. I I don't see it as a one-time boom, which is suddenly going to slow down in January or February or March. I think you're just going to have new homeowners coming in with new requirements. Uh, And it's up to every business, whether, you know, they want to diversify their target audience from being ultra premium to some of the projects which might have shorter life cycles. You know, I'm getting a lot of inquiries where somebody wants to move into a house within three to six months, has a smaller budget, and is able to take decisions between, you know, three to four days of meeting you. And I think that's great for business too. So we're sort of uh, diversifying our target audience, uh, a little bit so that we can also, you know, jump onto that demand side, which is, uh, generating, you know, very, very fast.
0: Harshal, you are growing at a rapid pace and I'm, I'm going to make an assumption, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong that you're not there's not a great talent pool of integrator integration trained staff that you're able to simply bring in and put them on a course for success i'm imagining that you're growing them you're hiring people yes. and you're training them so how how do you manage that or how have you been managing that
1: so it, uh, i think recruiting in india has always been challenging in this particular industry because you know we have uh, we have few people that uh, are getting trained in this space, and that challenge will continue. But on the flip side, Ron, we uh, you know we've been very actively recruiting all through COVID uh, on LinkedIn, uh, we've had about ten open requisitions that we've been filling since the last six months, and we've had some fantastic hires over COVID. Because of the whole uh, situation where certain people had, you know, were either laid off by their employer or they were asked to work from home on, you know, uh, heavy salary pay cuts and that wasn't really working out for them. So we have been able to acquire some fantastic talent that was not available previously before the pandemic happened. Uh, But One of the biggest challenges that we face is that even after you recruit people, uh, training them to be a specialist within our space is difficult. So when you go and meet a client and you're trying to do a requirements gathering exercise, uh, you really need to know your subject extremely well. And during COVID, we took a decision that... uh, the only way for us to really make this work was to make a significant investment in technology. So we have decided to work with a leading uh, software company, you know, who is in, among the top uh, five in the world, where maybe a small business like us would not naturally go and approach them. You would uh, sort of think of using, you know, smaller software house solutions. But uh, after vetting all of that and, you know, coming from the software industry uh, myself, I felt going with somebody who really knows their uh, subject at the top level seemed to be the right thing to do at this point. So we've invested in a platform which would be available uh, to our team in the next three months. Uh, where we've completely automated the sales process. So typically you would meet a customer, gather their requirements and spend two or three days in getting back to them with a proposal, which would have multiple different options for comparison. Uh, Once we go live with this system uh, within the organization, uh, our benchmark time for a 10,000 square feet house is that you would have not more than one hour's time in front of the software to push out four or five different proposals uh, through all of the automation that we've embedded. So we've literally taken 10 years of knowledge and written algorithms that say that if the room size, the viewing distance is 15 feet from the viewing wall. The system automatically picks the television size. And depending on whether the architect or the client says, I want on-wall, in-wall, floor-standing speakers, it automatically picks what speakers you need to put into that room. So it's doing all of this by running various calculations and permutations and combinations behind and that, you know, an experienced uh, engineer would be able to choose from the library. So, you know, we used to use d up till now and uh, you would go to d tools and say, okay, floor standing speaker, here are five different options Let me select one, two and three. Well, this is going to visually show you those options and based on The what you're listening from the customer as well as the interior designer saying, well, you know, I want this to be in gloss white or I want this to be not, you know, this particular property is important for me. It will just omit all the other options and present only the top three options. And then with artificial intelligence, which is built into our platform, it will start recognizing that this interior designer typically likes metal keypads. So it will automatically put in metal keypads on the next project. Wow. Is is this, does this software have a life beyond
0: Trescent? Or does this software enable Trescent to simply scale faster, more efficiently?
1: It's an extremely good question. I think the initial plan is that it will be used in-house until... Uh, we've got all the bells and whistles totally figured out. Uh, Stage two would be that we would put it in the hands of our partners who are representing our brands and uh, being part of our distribution platform. And stage three, Ron, which is probably very controversial, but something that I believe is gonna allow us to go into triple X growth, is to put the software directly in front of the architect and let him give us the initial budgets and selection without us spending a single engineering hour on that project
0: i'm assuming you vetted this concept by your architects clients and friends and they love or or by,
1: idea my my architects are eagerly waiting for their login id because they're saying listen harshal we could be sitting in front of the customer, picking certain parameters, and a budget pops up. We're talking to the client, let them tell us, okay, $10,000 for lighting control seems okay. You know, $5,000 for, for pipe music seems reasonable. $2,000 for securities, okay. I give you that initial cut and then you refine it. You know, today we spend so much time just trying to get that initial cut out there. I'm I'm in awe. I had no idea that you were doing this. You did not tell me in advance. This is like a secret skunk. It is actually a secret. And now it's out there uh, in the market. Uh, thanks to, you know, Automation Unplugged. But I think that's the type of innovation that COVID really inspired. When you're sitting at home and you're not busy with your customers, you really have an opportunity to pivot your business and uh, the only way to do a massive pivot is to come up with something uh, from an engineering perspective, which is a game changer. And I think uh, we have that and uh, everybody at Trescent is extremely excited to see this roll out.
0: It, it sounds like the opportunities in India are unlimited in terms of growth potential. Uh, you're certainly innovating around your operations and, uh overall uh, management of the company what if we look at the other side what are the challenges what are the limits or what are the obstacles that you see that you need to overcome to continue to scale
1: so i think customer support will always be a big challenge mm-hmm. uh you know the customers becoming more demanding the customer is expecting the system to almost have you know a 99.49 sla and uh, the money that's being spent whether it be small or large uh, they are not immediately willing to ap- accept that there may be uh, a certain hardware at a certain price can only give you you know so much horsepower so everything needs to to run literally at whatever your benchmark in engineering uh, standard is. And so I think the challenge on customer expectation and customer support will continue to grow. Uh, Being able to provide 24 seven support where if your HDMI is not able to give you picture at 11 PM, when most people might be asleep, uh, that's a problem because the client at that point wants to watch that show on Netflix or Uh, Disney. And so do-it-yourself debugging, I think, is an area that we are investing our time in. As part of this platform, we were exposed to something very interesting, which is a WhatsApp chatbot. So WhatsApp is a messenger in India, which is very popular. And you could build a chatbot with AI that could tell you the first few steps of self-debugging. And if that solved your problem, you don't need to be transferred to a call center or an engineer. Uh, you may just want to reboot a particular product and you know your problem solved. Similarly, we are investing very highly on the world of maybe what's, what's popular worldwide today as as DOMOTS and other remote monitoring systems. Uh, I think being I able to- I have a DOMOTS unit in my rack right over here. So absolutely. I- So, you know, we had a power outage in Mumbai a couple of days ago, which was in the, I think last 10 years, it was the single largest power outage. The entire city was gone. And all of the customers that we were remotely monitoring, we immediately got alerts when the power in different areas started coming back up. And we could see that the network was back up, processors were back up. And uh, that gave the customer confidence. We were also able to give the customer, you know, those alerts of you know switching off their power until the surge uh, in the grid, you know, was stabilized. So I think that's what the client's looking for. How are you safeguarding their investment? How are you giving them proactive support and services? And you're only as good as your last customer. So if you have an unhappy customer, it's bad for your business. And technology such as HDMI, uh, Wi-Fi networking these are still prone to having odd behaviors uh, which are out of control from the integrator side and you you still are facing the brunt of an unhappy customer. So investing in that level of customer service uh, is I think going to be the single largest challenge right now and seeing that customers are actually willing to pay for it. So I'd also like to share, Ron, that post-COVID, we had the largest amount of annual customer maintenance agreement signed you know before people didn't take it seriously they said well it's okay you know you will come in a couple of days and you'll solve it now the thought is i want it fixed right away so if you want it fixed right away there's an sla whether you want to fix it in 6 hours 24 hours 72 hours or you know five working days and you can pay different levels of uh, price for that And the largest number of contracts were signed in the last two months. Then honestly, what we've seen in the last 10 years, because people are understanding that technology is here to stay. We're always going to be in our house using it. We need to be able to enable our service provider to give us the right level of service. And I'm very happy to see that change uh, within the consumer mindset.
0: I want to peel the layers back on that. When does the consumer uh, when are they made aware that you have uh, service agreements? are they is that happened up front in the say beginning of the sales process, or is it only at the end? and uh, And I'm gonna get a little bit more uh, specific. Is there uh, a free option that tells them they can't call you past six o'clock on a Friday night? uh in other words you're not gonna serve that that particular that demand or that need or uh so yeah i guess that's a a number of questions yeah
1: no absolutely so you know we we sort of overhauled our customer support program uh right after the lockdown uh was you know relaxed a little bit and we had our team together uh we recently hired a very senior Uh, customer service head uh, who comes with 25 years of experience in providing customer service. And now we've got, just like you said, we have different levels. So we have our VIP program that gives you standby equipment. If some of your equipment, you know, is not functioning, it gives you the ability to provide live support. If you have uh, an event like let's say you have a big family gathering which is important, or or you know an anniversary, and you're not sure if your systems are always going to be uh, fully operational because you want that 100% uptime. So we would have an engineer be there on site supporting you throughout that event, and then we have a standard program where you you know the SLA goes all the way up to five working days uh, for a resolution. Surprisingly, mostly everybody is signing up for our VIP and goal plan because what we can see is nobody wants the resolution to be beyond 24 hours. And I'm happy to see that because that allows us to invest even more uh, in terms of tools for customer service. So very recently, uh, as part of the software overhaul, uh, we've now got... uh, a system that that shows you that the engineer is on the way to your house on real time on GPS, so you're not waiting for 25 minutes. Uh, that you know when is the engineer actually going to arrive, and when can I debrief that person? You know, face to face. So we've gone the extra mile uh, to bring in this technology, and I think 2021 is going to be extremely exciting uh, when all of this goes live at Trescent. As uh, no doubt. So
0: we definitely are going to have you back on to to talk about that. Maybe Monica can join us as well. Sure. And we'll have you both. Um, that'll be great. Let's give a few of the folks again that have chatted here or provided comments. Let's give them a little uh, acknowledgement here. Uh, how do I say this
1: name? So this is Jaya Guliani.
0: So he says, uh, Jaya Guliani says, super proud of the work Harshul and Monica are doing in the home technology for the luxury residential in India. I couldn't agree more. And uh, Jaleel Sabir, uh, really interested in the software, Harshul. I think you got your first sale right there. So (laughs) Jaleel's ready to buy. He said, "I, I started this exercise two years ago. And, uh, and I'm still to arrive somewhere. So it sounds like he's excited to see that.
1: Sure, we will definitely share all our learnings with you because that's how we grow as an industry together.
0: Awesome. We'll give one more here. Vivek says, a very informative podcast. Uh, thank you, Vivek. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to uh, subscribe, go to your podcast software on your phone and uh, subscribe so you can get the audio versions. Uh, Harshal, uh, we're we're right there at the end of our, our time. I know you have commitments and uh, you actually, it's the end of your day. So you need to get back to, to Monica and home life and to the puppies. Um, how can those that are watching or listening get in touch with you or if they want to learn more about Trescent Lifestyles or if they want to reach you directly? Uh,
1: I think anybody who wants to get in touch with us can reach us through our website, which is www.trescent.com. Uh, there are uh, various phone numbers on there, as well as an ability to WhatsApp us from the website. And that would be the best way to reach us. Otherwise, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, very active there, you could drop me uh, connect a message on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to share my mobile and and have a chat over the phone with anybody from around the world who is interested in uh, luxury residential technology
0: awesome and i'm I'm scrolling across the screen your website i got that correct
1: that's absolutely correct
0: awesome uh harshul it's been a pleasure man uh we don't talk often enough i know we, we i know it, it's the time zone i think the time issue is what makes it challenging it sometimes um but, uh, and I see Monica just posted uh, the phone number there in the comment section for those that are are listening. Uh, but it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast, sir, and uh, love to have you back soon.
1: My pleasure, Ron. Thank you for accommodating us in the time zone. I know this is an early start for you today, and uh, it's definitely been nice chatting. I'm very happy to see the way your podcast and your Automation Unplugged channel has taken off, you know, 141 shows today. It's truly commendable. The information which is available through One Firefly for the last decade that I have known you uh, is industry top-notch standard and you keep inspiring us. So thank you for, you know, all of the great work that you're doing for uh, the smart home industry as well as the residential technology space.
0: Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Automation Unplugged. For a full transcript of this show and all previous shows, head over to our website at onefirefly.com forward slash AU. There you'll find links to all transcripts, show notes, Facebook Live recordings and resources mentioned during the show. If you enjoyed this episode and like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please follow us on social media. We are at LLC on all platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Automation Unplugged as we dive deeper into technology trends and the fascinating people that make up the custom integration industry. Bye for now.